0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Listening Behind the Curtain, my opportunity to step away from the world of law and politics that I cover on television into the world of theater, the arts that we do here on WGNradio.com and the podcast Behind the Curtain. I am so excited to do this show because joining me is someone who I often call the co-host of everything I do because whenever we're talking the biggest shows in Chicago, this is the guy who's involved with them. We're going to be talking about Boop, the Betty Boop musical having its world premiere in Chicago as it gets ready to head to Broadway. The director, the choreographer, the man of all magic, Jerry Mitchell joins me again. Jerry, so good to see you. Paul,
1: it's great to see you, too, and be back on the show. It's great to be in Chicago. You know how much I love this town.
0: Well, I do. And, you know, kinky boots, I can go on and on. Let's deal with the most important issue first. I have my boot mug. (laughs) They're sold sold out. And people are very upset because it does say Chicago and stuff on the back. Uh, Will there be more? World 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 premiere. Are we getting more? Will there be more cups? I think
1: they got some more merch. We actually sold out of merch the second week, and I think they got some more in. So they do have some more merch at the theaters. Come down and buy some merch and see the show.
0: (laughs) All right. And promise me when you make Pudgy the dog as a puppet, you'll send me one because you will make that. That is happening. Okay. By the way, my mom grew up. Her little dog when she was a kid was Pudgy. Oh, wow. (laughs) So kind of fun. Let's talk about Boop the Musical, your creator. We're going to be joined in just a moment by uh, the composer of the phenomenal music in this show, David Foster, um and and so Jerry let me ask you with all that you've done I mean Kiki Boots a pretty woman I can go on and on but what led you say we need to have a musical about Betty Boop the character was it the character or was it the magic that popped in your head about black and white to color and all the incredible things you were able to do on stage
1: well nothing nothing told me I needed to do Betty Boop until I was first asked by Bill Haber David and Susan Bergenhead who wrote the lyrics, and. And the more I looked into Betty Boop, I knew a little bit about Betty Boop and the cartoons, but I really studied it. I did a deep dive, and then I thought, well, what is the story we can tell? And that's where we came up with this idea of her black and white world, and she comes to the real world where there's color, and color represents love, and she finds it that has to return. And when it returns to her world, kisses her, and her world turns to color. So your life is never full of color until your life is full of love. Was basically. The, the idea that we started
0: with. So unlike something like Kinky Boots, where you had a book, which I recall Harvey Fierstein telling me in our in the show that we did together, he took the book and I threw it out. Uh, <laughs> the question, question here is you didn't have a book. I mean, you you know, Betty Book no. seriously, what did you do to say we need a story here?
1: Well, it's a fully original musical. It's a fully original musical based on a, cartoon icon and and unlike the musical Annie which actually has a story based on one of the stories in the cartoons this is completely fictitious and David and Susan had presented me with a great deal of their music they had already started on other productions David's here and uh, it was just the music was so good i thought i want to dance to this music i want to hear this music sung on broadway and that was what made me want to work on the project. And then I suggested we bring Bob Martin on, who's a book writer who I had worked with, to help us uh, collaborate on the story and the best way to tell it.
0: Well, we are joined now by David Foster, who is the composer here. Uh, David, if I can grab you into this now. Yes, applause to you, and you certainly got it on opening night. Um we- you know, look, it's probably easier to name the songs you've written that haven't gotten a Grammy Award than to go through all the ones that have um, because you've got about 50 nominations and, uh, and 16, 17 Grammy Awards. You've worked with everybody. OK, Barbara Streisand, we need to talk about that separately one day just because I've got this. But anyway, and Celine and everybody. But I want to ask you, with all the people you've worked with, all, Aretha, on and on but you had never done a Broadway musical before, so did it call your name, or did you call it? Who, What drew you to it, or what drew you, uh, what drew it to you? Well, in, instantly, before
2: Jerry was involved, basically nobody had ever asked me to do a musical, and I was at the point in my career where that seemed like a sort of a logical step for me, because in musicals, um, you don't have to write a hit song, necessarily. I mean, yes, that's great if you do, but you have to write a good song, and I felt at that point in my career, uh, when I started uh, a few years ago, that I still could write a good song. and uh, and then, of course when when Jerry came along, everything just <laughs> turned to color, so to speak, because we were kind <laughs> of we were moping along for a few years until he came in with this vision that is just, you know, and we have followed his vision, and you get you got to see it on December 6th. it's it's spectacular.
0: How do you interact? Is there a difference when you're interacting, say with a celebrity, a Celine Dion, whoever? who says, you know, David, I, I don't know about this, or I'd like to try it this way, or maybe Streisand is a good example of that, or I want to do one way or the other, versus a show like this, where you've got all these collaborators stepping in, and then Jerry comes in afterwards. As a composer, do you <clears throat> like? Do you own those songs and say, don't talk to me, these are mine? Or or in all of those situations, whether it's an individual artist on, a, on an album or something like this, are you open to it?
2: Well, I, I think you have to be. You know, I, I always said that making records... Uh, was not a democracy, <laughs> and it's really not. I mean, I've done my best work making records when I was left alone, and that always didn't work, of course. I had many failures, but I had more success when, you know, the artist, per se, was not looking under the hood, pulling at the spark plugs and going, hey, what about this? What about... And, and Jerry works the same way. He does his best work when he's left alone, and um, for the most part, I didn't want to be one more voice in his head because he's got like, 28 cast members, and I, I got my say, but it's his vision, and I'm a newbie, and um I, maybe if we worked together again, it would be a different kind of collaboration but this time I, I you know it was hard for me to follow and i'm I'm just being honest with you, Jerry knows all this um but in the end, it's so satisfying because his vision was insane, and if I was asked to mount this show, you would have seen like stick figures up there uh with black and white painted all over their faces i mean i, I don't know what I would have done it was like, I, I couldn't have, you know, what.
1: I want to jump in and just say one of the great things about David is I think the process of telling a story with a song and then delivering it with a hit song in our show has been remarkable. And I want to say that there's a song in the second act that's sung by Raymond Demarest, one of the characters. And David kept asking me, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I think I, I played him a... A track from something he had written for Michael Buble. And so he goes away and he writes the song and he sends me a demo, right? Like composers send you a demo of the song. And who is singing on the demo? Michael Buble. Michael Buble sang the demo track of Raymond Demarest's song that's in our show. And you know, you hear the song and then you go, well, this is a hit song and it's going to serve the story of the show. And when we do it in the show, it, it is grown into a real crowd pleaser because the story is at the end of the song, Betty Boop knocks him out because she's being chased around the desk and it just serves the story perfectly
2: and the whole arc of her character, right? So it's, yeah, that's, I, I, that's what it- And I would say in depth um, that Jerry's in my relationship, uh, although tight at times, I think our relationship has grown remarkably, especially in the last few months. I think when we, yeah. when I really got to see what you could do and you really got to see what I could do, I think.
0: Plus, yeah. I imagine when you send a yeah. demo with Michael Buble on it, you're going, now tell me it's not good enough, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, Jerry, I, I'm going to put Jerry on the... This... <laughs> What's that, David? It might
2: not have been. I mean, it's a... Uh, you know, it's 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 a tough slug. You know, if I know now, if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have taken. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have taken this long. But here we are, and I'm ready to go again uh, for sure.
0: Well, Jerry, I want to put you on the spot with David listening to us for a moment because. Yeah. You know, in the Broadway world, if somebody wants to write a musical, I understand he preceded you, but let's just take that piece out of it. In the Broadway world, you want to do a musical, you go to Mark Shaman. Yeah. You go to Benj Pasik. You go to Bobby Lopez. I mean, that, right? There's a world of people you go to. When I think of the musicals you worked on, Cyndi Lauper, David. So there's something in your magic, which says, I'm not going to go to the traditional Broadway musical people. Right? Not that you wouldn't work with them or that you haven't, but I'm, But there, what is it that's different when you work with this composing legend who comes into the Broadway world? Because my recollection for Cindy Lauper and talking to her, it was her first Broadway show too. It was. But Cindy, we went to Cindy
1: because we had already started the book of the sh- first. First, I picked Harvey. So, you know, I was asked by the producers to turn a movie into a musical. This was a whole different. uh, I didn't go to David because David came to me through Bill Haber. Bill Haber came to me with David's music. When I first sat down and looked at the script and listened to some of David's songs for a previous version of Betty Boob, I knew at that moment that he could write a musical. And I knew hmm. at that moment that I, I wanted to dance to the songs that he was writing. So see, when I never listen to the music first, because the music will always, it will always hook me. I I read the book, I read the story, because ultimately a musical has to tell a story. Where we got lucky, I think, was David was willing to continue to work and Susan. And then Bob Martin came in, and Bob is a is somebody who is able to craft a musical story. And he actually, one of the surprises, well, one of the things I forgot from the, we, we had been at this for six years, seven years. So you read the scene and you laugh the first time, but you never laugh again. And you forget the humor. We also have this incredible actress, Jasmine Amy Rogers, who has taken what's on the page and turned it in to a two-dimensional, to a three-dimensional, full, full fully-fleshed character, which is what the story is about. Am I real or am I just a cartoon? Uh, so it's uh, just, there's a synergy. There's a synergy that's happened with this that none of us could could have predicted.
2: But Jerry, just to be honest, I did kind of go cricking and screaming. For quite a few years, I mean, I in, did the, I, in the beginning, my music. I told him he had, to
1: write any more songs. I told, him he had to write more songs. Had to write more songs. Had to write no. more songs. And and David David realized what I meant by that. It wasn't that, I think, I, I think, I think you realized I wasn't saying the song we had wasn't a good song. I was saying the song we had may not be the right song for this moment in the storytelling. And that's a whole different thing when you're putting together the whole show.
0: I didn't By know the that- way, let me confirm one thing. David, there are some composers who would say, oh, you need something else? Let me go to the proverbial trunk and pull something out I haven't used. I'm, I, you did not do that. I don't have a trunk. I do now. (laughs) Thank
2: thank, you, Jerry Mitchell. I do now, but I didn't have a trunk because every pop song I ever written was written for an artist, and I was the producer, and I was in charge, and I, you know, I didn't want to throw out my own songs ever in my life, so I didn't, I didn't have a trunk, but um, I didn't know the process, and now Jerry has has taught me the process, and and it's along with Bob and and Susan, of course. Susan is amazing, lyricist. Susan Birkenhead. Please, like, can't give her enough credit. She sits there and her and Bob get the brunt of what Jerry needs to do to make this show better. They're changing every day. And sometimes it's like, oh, same song, but the lyrics got to be totally different. And it's been uh, a real incredible thing to watch for me to see this process
0: jerry everybody everybody raised i've heard david rave about jasmine amy rogers i mean it's that this one the, she is a star she is a star and she's going to be huge on broadway and we all know it I and mean, look what you did for billy porter and just some of that the come into your into your life and into your world and then look out world but you did know some people are like where did he find her but you had worked with her before right and becoming in, in the show becoming nancy and so did you see whoop yeah. in that role
1: no, no, she was she was fresh out of school and she had two or three numbers in that show and she was fantastic but she was she was like the third lead. And then she was in an early reading of Boop. I got her to do Trisha when Trisha was 19 years old and Trisha was actually Carol's daughter. And after we did that reading, I remember having a conversation with Bob about I didn't feel enough for the character and I wanted her to be younger and I wanted her to be orphaned and living with her aunt and obsessing over Betty Boop. So then Bob rewrote that whole track for that character in the story, which meant Jasmine was out because she was too old. And then as we were searching for Boop, I think Jasmine auditioned for me seven or eight times for us, at least seven or eight times. And even at the final audition where I was certain she was it, it was still unsure. We weren't positive, but I was positive. I knew that there was something in her that she came into that audition and she said, This is my role. I want to do this and you have to hire me. She owned it. And when an actor comes into the room and they lay the claim to the role, that's when you know. That's when I, you know it's theirs.
0: I think I said that to you for Charlie and in, in Kinky Bookman didn't <laughs> work. So, David, David, you're so used to writing for artists. I mean, we talked about that, right? You're working and collaborating with an artist. How different is it to write a song for someone you don't know who it's going to be yet? And at most, you're writing for a character.
2: It's kind of easier. I mean, it's kind of like writing for a movie, because if you'd asked me to write a song right now, give me a subject right now, this second.
0: Jerry and Paul are friends.
2: (laughs) Jerry and Paul are friends. I, don't, I mean, I, the point is, <laughs> I, I, I have no reference. You give me a, ca- all of a sudden that character becomes my co-writer, and and it's just a, it's it's in some stretches a lot easier. Again, because I didn't understand the process, I struggled a lot because I, you know it's not just about writing a good song. It's like there's more to it than that. It's kind of ineffable to explain, but uh, you know, somehow I got through it with a lot of help all these
0: veterans by the way I, I didn't realize you were at your piano you're at your piano i am i sure anything but do you, do you want to can you give us 15 20 seconds of well, one of your favorite I, uh, ballads?
2: um and jerry sorry because i don't remember the lyrics Or susan sorry but jerry like uh, a week ago two weeks ago says guys Dwayne needs a new song and it needs to be great oh man i, I was just ready to go home like again <laughs> like, really, this is song number 77 added to my drink. <laughs> and he said, no, no, but then he did it in a really, like, collaborative way and a really, like, a supportive way. He said, come on, you guys, we could do it. And so, Susan and I, she came to my hotel room, and we banged out this little, uh, which I, I, I just love this song, and it goes, um, she knocks me out, she does my dog, knocks. And it's just a really cool, fun thing. And Dwayne, our actor um, Ainsley, Ainsley was amazing. Really, act and and show us yet another dimension of him, and he's just so good at it. And and then Jerry and I and Susan, we worked on on the cast's day off, and Jerry became obsessed with making this. Well, the whole thing, but that day he was obsessed on his day off after working fourteen hours a day. And again, Jerry, don't listen. The obsession with Jerry Mitchell works. It well. It just. It reminded me of me. <laughs> That's all I can say <laughs> in the studio. 14 hours a day, I don't care. Give me a sandwich, I'm good. But he's been doing that <laughs> for almost six months now. It's pretty yeah. remarkable.
0: Well, And by the way, Jerry, the reviews have been unbelievable. One of the best comments, of course, it says, do not miss this show. That happened to be my comment. But anyway, uh, <laughs> along with others, but they, they they used it. But I did want to ask you this. The reviews were great. But of course, people like Chris Jones of The Trib. I I happen to be a huge fan of his. And I always think when he goes, here are some thoughts for you. And I feel like he's writing to you. Here are some thoughts. So uh, let me ask you, because in opening night, the show is the show's frozen. When when we come see it in New York again, are we going to go? Yeah, he he he's made some changes. He's paid attention to the kind of things that the Chris Joneses of the world have said. Uh, are you open to that? Do you want to hear that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I come to Chicago because not just Chris, but. All of the critics here have seen a lot of theater and they have a good eye and they know when a a show goes off track. So you're you're getting fresh eyes that are helping you. And I've already talked about the changes that I want to make, especially to the second act, which is always the place where a musical either succeeds or fails. And we got by, but we can be better in our second act by strengthening the relationships between Betty and Dwayne Betty and Trisha, Betty and Carol, and getting Betty to the end, to the resolve of her story. So we're going to do that. And we've already started to do that. Um, we were going to do some more changes this week, even after the opening reviews. But we got hit with a case of COVID, David, and four of our ca- three of our cast members and two of our dressers. So we pivoted and we've been doing understudy rehearsals and pre- prepping people to go on. Uh, in case we get more COVID cases in the next two weeks.
0: Curiously, what came first, the 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 Grampy relationship, or the fact that you wanted somebody like legendary Faith Prince uh, to be in the show, who's amazing to work with?
1: No, the, the the story, Valentina and Grampy story was in the show. We auditioned a lot of a lot of ladies for Valentina and Faith. Actually, I thought, oh my God, Faith Prince. Faith and I had worked together on Jerome Robbins Broadway umpteen years ago before she won her tony award in guys and dolls so faith and i have been friends for 30 years 40 years and i thought oh perfect she's the perfect age she's the perfect person she's a comedian and we're still working on their story and they'll probably get a new song by by the time we get to new york david david and susan have been working on something and uh you know we just need time to rehearse it and uh properly
0: put it in david do you ever make changes to a song based on say the 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 vocal range of a of a singer star like that you ever say let me just make some modifications because you're in this role now whoever that is
2: sure of course the keys become very important especially when you're doing duets it's very hard to maneuver the keys so that's a lot of adjusting we have great help uh with uh andy resnick who's the um the musical director and uh, daryl waters who's the music supervisor so two great guys that really helped me a lot, but I wanted to go back to one thing that Jerry said when you were talking about, you listen to critics and you know what Jerry way back three weeks ago, before he started doing all the work after our first performance, he said, you know, the second act, I don't want to say it's running on fumes from the first act, but it needs a lot of work. And I was like, I think the show is perfect. What are you talking about? (laughs) Don't let a standing ovation fool you. And he was so right because the show is so much better now, even just three weeks later. And it's going to get that much better again, because in, by the time we hit to New York, like we got to be a 10 and we will be.
0: You know, Jerry, yeah. by the way, I was hearing comments from people who went to very early previews. Of course, I was there opening night, but I will just tell you, the comments were always good, but they got progressively wonderful as time went on. Yeah. I thought, well, this is a reaction to changes you're making.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people have stopped me at the back of the house where I tend to hang out. And they said this is my third time, and I saw the changes, and oh my god, it's even better than it was, and it was already great. So
2: they're noticing, they're noticing the work. I mean, there's two, there's two new songs in the second act just since we've been in Chicago. By the way, people, yeah. speaking of stopping you, uh, Jerry, did uh, Judge Lynn stop did he get a hold of you last night? No, I didn't. I didn't see them. Uh, i was
0: standing at the back, but they never, I never saw them.
2: Maybe they left. Maybe they didn't like it.
0: Well you, you do you do know who was there sitting behind me opening night was Bill Gates and I thought, Well, here's a show to pick. Bill Gates is here. Yeah. yeah. I think he Pretty was using cool. an Apple tablet though, so that threw me off. I'm kidding. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Did you know he was coming? Was that a surprise to anybody?
2: No. He's he's a friend of mine and oh, okay. um he's a friend of mine and, and uh he had flown in from Paris that day. I didn't think he was gonna make it, but he came to the before party as well and, and he and and when he left he said that was a lot of fun. And, and I, I b that's like somebody saying, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I love it. I <laughs> yeah. came in
0: from Paris, Illinois that day, but that's, a, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and Jerry, that's got to be a lot of fun for you. The celebrities, the different people who want to check this out. I mean, New York is going to be unbelievable. Do we know when this will open on a stage in New York yet?
1: No, we don't know yet. Uh, we're, we're in the process of talking with the theater owners. I want to get the right theater for it. I want to make sure we're in the right theater in New York.
0: Jerry, very quickly, can you give me 15 seconds on Devil Wears Prada because you're going to work on that? Is that fair to ask you? That yeah, I'm going
1: to go to I'm going to go to London and work on a new version of Devil Wears Prada. So, all
0: right, well, we're going to keep our eyes open, Jerry Mitchell. <laughs> you know I love you, David Foster. You're my new best friend as well. Thank love you so it. much for your time. Congratulations, break legs, Mazel Tov, as I say in my world, uh, on an incredible show, and I can't wait to see it on Broadway. Thank you, my friends. Appreciate you. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Boop the beautiful. You Boop the better. musical at CIBC Theater through December 24th, broadwayinchicago.com Get your ticket.
2: Jerry's going to be cheating on me with Elton John.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang with you.